Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here for the Cups and Cakes Network. Today on the show we have Mallory Chipman of Mallory Chipman and the Mystics. I did this interview with Mallory back in, oh god, it was probably July now, sitting in the backyard again, out in the warm summer sun. Uh, we had a couple beers and sat out in the backyard and we talked about her time at McEwen, her background in jazz. Uh, she's got a couple of great, great jazz records out. Um, and then her latest record with uh, The Mystics. Uh, it's called Aquarian. It's a great uh, kind of progressive, uh, poppy, jazzy record. Aquarian was also featured on the Cups and Cakes uh, Slipped Through the Cracks year-end list. We didn't cover it nearly as much as we should have. It's a great, great record again. Um, as per usual, there uh, is potentially some strong language in this episode, so viewer discretion is advised. And as always, you can find other episodes of this podcast, as well as other audio, video, and written content over at the Cups and Cakes website, cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Here's Mallory Chipman. I'm Mallory Chipman of Mallory Chipman and the Mystics. Perfect. <laughs> uh, we won't waste too much time here. We'll dive uh, right into the old rapid fire Sounds section. Sounds good. Uh, cake or pie? Pie. Do you have like a favorite kind of pie? Um, probably pumpkin. Okay. Is it? I'm always curious because I feel like pie is like a real, like someone in your family makes pie that's really good. Not really in my case, but I just love. I'm not a cake person. I actually like dislike cake. So okay. pie is just an obvious choice for me. And yeah, I love pumpkin pie. I also love savory pies. Over quarantine, I made like a stout pie with potatoes and carrots oh, okay. and parsnips yeah. and all that jazz. So tasty. Oh, nice. What do you do for crust? I feel like the crust is always the hard part. Um, I bought mine frozen. <laughs> so the truth comes out. <laughs> uh, to your coffee. Uh, coffee for sure. It's a caffeine thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a necessity <laughs> thing. Uh, new quarantine hobby. Hmm. I think writing short stories. Okay. Yeah. Is is that something you've done before at all and you just kind of picked it back up or? I, yeah, I wrote even shorter stories before, sort of did like mostly object writing as a way to brainstorm lyric okay. ideas and stuff yeah, yeah. And, and now have kind of realized that a little more fully, written a few fully formed short stories. Yeah. So yeah, oh, that's cool. been lots of fun. Uh, do you have a favorite pit stop on tour? Hmm. Um, my band really loves the donut mill as, you know, as people do. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, they don't have any vegan donuts and I'm vegan. Can't eat anything there. I'm like hoping one day they, they do. So usually when uh, they go there, I go to the Glenn's Tea Shop next door, I think it's called. Oh, yeah. And yeah, pick up some loose tea for, for when I come back after the show. <laughs> It's a beautiful building, hey? The oh, tea totally. Shop. Yeah, I've, it's lovely. <laughs> I've driven by while stopping at Donut Mill many right? times. There you go. Uh, is it just tea or is it like kind of like a cafe thing? Or? It's mostly tea and like kind of, yeah, small little trinkets and things like that. Tea okay. accessories, that kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah. Gotcha. Uh, radio or podcasts? Um, podcasts. Oh, okay. Do you have anything that I you... I also love the radio, so that's a tough one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are like the regular podcast uh on the docket um i really like rather than sort of listening to recurring like you know weekly episode type podcasts yeah um i typically like binge them <laughs> so this uh over quarantine i listened to most recently 
Wind of Change. Okay. The like yeah, yeah. conspiracy that the CIA wrote that Scorpions tune. Anyway, it was fascinating. So that that's been the latest. Yeah, I got really into that right when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um just like felt like I had to tell like everybody about it because it's such a wacky story. Totally. But uh and, and then for radio are there like I guess uh, I'm always curious, do you have like specific stations that you like always tune into or do you just kind of like put something on um during the day i listen to ckua okay um and in the evening sometimes but driving home from gigs i always listen to like the bear or oh, k yeah. rock because i need <laughs> dad rock after <laughs> playing dad rock yeah. and um yeah then i listen to 6 30 chad when the hockey games are on <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah uh first car you've ever had uh it was a 2002 oldsmobile alero Okay. Yeah. One of the door handles was broken because somebody had tried to break in and it was very sketchy. The brakes broke while I was driving it once. It was, it was time to retire that. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that kind of spelled the end of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, weirdest job you've ever had. Hmm. Um, I've mostly worked as a server uh, okay. at various places. And so I wouldn't say any have been particularly weird, though there have been plenty of weird moments. For sure. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, it's always, the weird moments are always when everybody's like totally hammered. I worked the Super <laughs> Bowl um, once okay. in the tailgate party. And that was, that was probably the weirdest just <laughs> because like Edmonton wasn't even playing. It was yeah. just, you know, two random teams and I don't follow football and, and Bachman Turner, but not Bachman Turner overdrive was <laughs> playing the halftime show. And yeah, lots of really rowdy folk. Yeah. yeah. One Super Bowl was enough. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a quarantine theme song? Oh gosh. No, do people have those? Um, it's it's funny. I made that question and it's like, I don't, I don't have one. <laughs> to be honest, this is super strange, but the song I've probably played the most comes from that new movie Eurovision song contest okay. with Will Ferrell. <laughs> and it's like the original music from, from that movie, which is just ridiculous kind of like ABBA ripoff yeah, yeah. Um, music. <laughs> and yeah, so we've been rocking out to Volcano Man from that a lot at home lately. Okay, so, that's fun. Yeah, I'd say it's a theme song. Uh, do you have a favorite local bite to eat? Ah, uh, yeah, Langano Skies, the Ethiopian place on White 99. Okay. So good. What what comprises, like, Ethiopian food? Because I can't say I've really ever... Um, well, at least there, uh, which is the place I frequented most, yeah. um, it's like this kind of spongy bread called injera. Okay. And you just rip off pieces of that, and then there are different sort of mayans there are some meat ones and there are like lentils and split peas and veggies and oh, okay. with these just amazing spices and i have really no idea what they are <laughs> um my friend's family owns the place and uh and i'm sal who's the owner and she's the chef she oh, cool. is just like such a powerhouse woman who makes a lot of these recipes just by you know memory and having made them yeah, for yeah. for many decades and it's delicious. I would highly recommend checking oh, it yeah. out. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to go mm -hmm. uh, check it out. Uh, if you could open for any band, who would you choose to open for? Oh boy, I feel like I just thought of that. Like I listened to something and I was like, man, that would be a cool band to open for. Um, I mean, that's really tough. I feel like this has nothing to do with necessarily 
musically making sense, but just like my dream would be to be on <laughs> yeah. tour with David Byrne or Talking Heads. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because they're amazing. It's the best live show I've ever seen. Well, yeah. And I'd have to imagine, too, um, the kinds of conversations that happen backstage for that kind of show would just oh, be man. really fun to be a part of. Totally, yeah. Uh, if you could uh, put together a show, any bands, and give yourself a ticket to it, uh, who would you go see? Um, probably like a double bill Joni Mitchell, Kate Bush yeah. headliner show. <laughs> Feel like that would be the dream. Yeah, yeah. When did, I know Joni Mitchell doesn't play anymore, but when did she stop playing? Do you know? Like early 2000s, she was still doing a little bit of okay. um, some performing. Like I know the the record with the orchestra that has like the Love Actually version of both sides now right. was, I think that came out in 2000. Oh, okay. And I think that was sort of nearing the end of the live performance career. But obviously since then she's put up like ballets with her music right. and, and all that stuff. So I know she's been busy yeah. <laughs> still. Holy man, her paintings are great. Too. Oh man, I, I know. What can't she do? Seriously. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I feel like I've mentioned this on this show a few times before, but um, I'm from Saskatoon originally, and my grandma grew up there in the 30s, and she would often bring up like Joni Mitchell stories, which amazing. She's, she's older than Joni is, but they were all stories like, yeah, and then we'd be at the pool, and Joni's mom would bring her, and Joni didn't want to go in, so she'd sit on the side and be <laughs> sad the whole time. Just smoking at 11 years old or yeah, whatever, probably. I'm sure. That's amazing. Wow, yeah. I have uh, some friends from Saskatchewan who are big Joni fans. For and sure, they're yeah. always kind of talking about like the war between like, where did Joni really call home? Alberta <laughs> or Saskatchewan? Oh, yeah. It's total rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, candy, chips, or chocolate? Chips. Oh, okay, what kind Unless of chips? Unless it's like chili chocolate. I'm a big savory person. Oh, okay. Yeah, the chili chocolate's good. Super good. Uh, what kind of chips, though? Salt and vinegar um, or all dressed. Okay, yeah, if it doesn't hurt your mouth, it's no good. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, is there an album that spurred your love of music? Huh. A single album. Man, that is really tough. I think probably the first song I can like remember listening to actively was As Tears Go By by The Stones. Okay. Yeah. And it was just like one of those, it was the first song I ever memorized all the words to. Um, and so in a way I feel like more than that whole album, it was like that tune really kind of, it got me singing along to something for the first time. For sure, so yeah. outside of being a listener and kind of maybe thinking like, hey, I like actually like playing music at age, you know, three. I probably wasn't actually forming those thoughts, but looking back, I uh, I can imagine that might have been it. Yeah. Do you, do you still go back to like, not that music in particular, but music that you remember from like childhood or like yeah. early teens? All the time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I listened to a very eclectic array of music as a kid and definitely have my parents to thank for that, which is awesome. And, and uh, a lot of it's stuff that I have actually had friends recently get into. Right. Um, and so they've been like, oh, man, have you like checked out this old 80s <laughs> Pat Metheny group record or this yeah. Lost Little Sailor record or... Um, and I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I listened to that a lot as a kid and it's kind of caused me to go back in time and check that out. And, and on a somewhat regular basis, you know, when I'm halfway down a bottle of wine, 
outside my backyard. I, we're constantly revisiting like Creed in my household. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely like to look back as, as well as forward when, oh, yeah. when listening to tunes. Uh, oh, pages flying all over the place. Uh, oh, one question left. Uh, you want to give a, a local shout out to any kind of bands or uh, artists in Edmonton that you are a big fan of? Yeah, uh, my favorite record of 2019 came from a local band called Ways and Waves. Oh, okay. Um, which is kind of like a prog pop band um, that is just super amazing. Brian Rain is the guy behind that. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, some really wonderful local musicians make up that project and they're pretty amazing. Was that a Bent River thing too? Or am I... Because I, I know think Brian they, Rain did something. Yeah, I think they released it on Bent River. Um, though I think in terms of like production, recording, all that was Brian himself. He's a very multi-talented guy. So Right. Yeah. Uh, this is, I guess, actually a good place to just kind of swap over into the second sure. half of things. Because, uh, of course, you also release stuff through Bent River, um, which I always assume means that um, Paul has something to do with it. But I, as far as I could tell, that was not the case for... The, for Aquarian, I guess, also dropping the name of the record. Um, what did the actual production of that look like then? Yeah, so Paul did th- all the tracking. Okay. Um, and, you know, having worked with him before, you know, I've, we have a great relationship and I, I love his stuff and definitely wanted to include him, but he was super busy at the time. And um, also Brian, the guy, you know, Waves and Waves yeah, yeah. guy, plays in my band. Uh, as well and um he it's funny because when i became obsessed with his record last year with his own band it's called bloodless arches um i was like man i've just like never heard some of these sounds before right like that's pretty incredible and i feel like i listen to a lot of music and for sure it was really really new and innovative and um i kind of chatted with him and i'm like you know we've known each other for like nine years now and i was like man I would love to have you create some sound effects for my record. And that's sort of where it started because um, I had sung backups on his record a little bit and we used to be roommates. So I would oh, okay. hear him, you know, playing, yeah, yeah. you know, with his, all his little modular <laughs> synth as he was building his modular synth and, and all of this, this cool stuff for, you know, a long time. And, and just seeing that part of his skill set develop. And I was like, oh man, and hearing it come to fruition on his record really made me think that would be cool. So, it started out thinking, yeah, he'll just kind of be involved in some of this synthesis just on a sonic level. I At that point, he wasn't actually even really in the band. I hadn't hired him as a producer. Um, and the more we got working together, he sings, he's a great keyboard player, he's a killer guitar player, and I was like, you want to just join the band? I was so obsessed with, like, I don't want to have the band be too big because it's so hard to tour with tons of people and pay tons of people and and all that stuff. But then at some point I'm like, you know, the music has to come first and and I know he's like a huge asset to this and we're all good pals and and so we went from there. Um and then yeah, basically like Paul had tracked it and was going to be on board to co-produce the record with me. Right. And then as Brian was getting more involved and Paul was super busy, he was just kind of like, "You know what? You don't need me. And I mean, that's a very humble thing for him to say, because obviously like that would have been a really valuable contribution and I'm sure would have turned out great had he been in that role. But yeah, he just kind of handed off to Brian. And so that was my first time working with someone other than Paul in that (laughs) sort of like production uh, type role. Yeah. But in the end, I I think it's great that it worked out that way because 
this music is really up Brian's alley. Like he and I, yeah, we met in 2011 and played in a band together at the time and really bonded over like our love of yes and <laughs> bands like that. And we were like, oh man, like we would love to make music like this one day together. And then this was kind of like, oh wait, this makes so much sense, you know, to, <laughs> to have you kind of help me take it from here. So yeah, it was yeah. serendipity. So was Brian coming on board then kind of the start of... Uh, it as the Mystics or was the rest of the band kind of before that or yeah the rest of the band was um, kind of formed before that but okay. uh, Brian came into the studio with us so he hadn't played live with us at that point but he knew everybody pretty much in the right. ensemble from other projects and and uh, yeah basically like right before we went into the studio is um, when I asked him to get on board and it was just good timing because he was like okay yeah I'm booking that weekend <laughs> off let's do it so what was what was the kind of impetus behind uh, putting out this record as like Mallory Chipman and the Mystics instead of just under Mallory Chipman? Mm-hmm. I guess like for me it was probably twofold. Like now that I kind of think of it retrospectively, one being it's not a jazz record, and I was sort of like my other records are. And maybe I'll return to that at some point, but I I guess I want to create a distinction um, between the genres of the projects. Um, but another thing that was pretty significant was just that I didn't really want this to be me and hired guns anymore. Right. Yeah. And like, truthfully, I really felt in my like solo project that, you know, that I released my first two records under, I didn't really feel like they were hired guns. Right. Like for the most right. part, I was playing with the same people the wonderful musicians who played on those records. I mean, they were ultimately like my band in a lot of ways, but right. at the same time, because in that genre, it is a little bit more of that sort of hired musician thing because of other gig conflicts and whatnot. There would be a, a bit of a rotating door of folks coming through once in a while. Um, and yeah, upon creating this project, I was like, I don't really want that anymore. Cause I want to have a band like, you yeah. know, I, um, I write really independently. Like I, I really, uh, I prefer to write that way for sure. Um, but I love collaborating. So it's that sort of balance where I'm like, I really want to have an ensemble where I can hold up and write my tunes and then bring it to them and be like, okay, let's all, you know, um, put our own spin on this or interpret this or, you know, maybe make some changes to this as a group. And so it, it's, it's so much better to do that with a consistent ensemble of people. Um, did you make the choice then about kind of who you wanted to call for this band because of um, like how, how you wanted the material to sound, I guess, um, or more broadly, like how, how did you make the choices about who to kind of pull on board for something like this? Yeah, I think um, I definitely had a vision for this music and I've played with all of these people for years and knew what they had to offer and knew what their strengths were and sort of the music that we would bond over, you know, for sure. um, really seemed to lend itself to this project. And so it seemed pretty easy, actually. It came together really wonderfully. And I'm just so grateful that everyone actually had the time and space in their lives because, you know, they're all working musicians who are parts of many projects. But um, to be a part of this, and yeah, they, they are all super stoked on the music. And I think it was just sort of a matter of the type of music we're playing, um, the people involved that kind of sold everybody on each other and on the project. So, uh, What do you think is the kind of connection between, because um, too, I'm, I'm at McEwen and I know you went to school there and teach there as well. Um, we get a lot of like um, people who are really into like Prague. Um, 
do you think and also too i mean your record has a lot of that mm-hmm. sound on it um what do you think's the connection between like jazz and progressive or like prog music <sighs> yeah i mean that's the thing i haven't thought a lot about but like i feel like it's very present in my life actually for sure um I think it's the nature of just being very dynamic music. And um, also I think there is oftentimes, you know, room for like improvisation and stuff like that. Um, But even in more through composed pieces, yeah, I just think that the fact that there are, like I don't really write melodies that are super succinct or, um, you know, exist in one aesthetic. Like often one melody just, or one, harmonic progression or whatever even something in one meter just leads me into another yeah and that's something that i hear in jazz a lot and i also hear in prog for sure um so i think that those are some sort of commonalities um i also think they both have in common that they're best heard live um but yeah I don't know. I'm sure there there may be more to it than that. And it's funny because on the surface, they're so different, especially if you take, you know, certain bands from those genres who may be on yeah. sort of the further <laughs> edges and compare yeah, yeah. them. It's like, what? Do those have any in common? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, do you think that kind of, or, or at least your experience in like um, post-secondary music training um, helps with that kind of like genre bending type stuff? Yeah, possibly. Um, I guess I'm definitely grateful to have experience learning about like myriad styles, right? And, and sort of having to play myriad styles and, and play them convincingly. Um, and so that's definitely helped. I think though, I would actually more so credit it to just, yeah, listening to a wide variety of music and, and just sort of realizing that my favorite things about it transcend genre in a lot of ways right yeah um so yeah i think that that's probably what sparked my love for that and and uh my urge to make music that maybe weaves in and out of genres but it's probably yeah largely experience at school and um working with different mentors that facilitated my ability to maybe do that you know and see that through so so uh how long was the writing process then for kind of the whole record like when did you start working towards um this specific record Mm -hmm. um i wrote kool-aid in june of 2018 okay and that's the oldest tune on the record um and then i like basically i I often write in spurts so there'll be the odd night like the night i wrote kool-aid where it was like very much inspired by a moment right and i came home from this event really pissed off and I was like I need to write a song about this and it wrote itself you know in the next 20 minutes so occasionally that'll happen but otherwise I tend to carve out time dedicated to write and I I struggle to do that in my own home um, because I really feel like for me in order for me to kind of be vulnerable I have to explore all these different ideas I need to be alone so I'll go away and and the two times that I went away on like solo writing retreats for this record uh, were in late 2018 and and, uh, early 2019 and those were out to Moose Farm Studio which is like a little recording studio um, 
it has, you know, obviously I went there for a writing retreat sort of thing. They just kind of rented out its Paul and Steph from Postscript, if you know those oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wonderful folks. And um, yeah, I just went out there for a couple days each and I wrote the rest of the record out there. And then I thought I was done the record. And then in January of this year, which we were like releasing the record in May and it was right. like, we're done. This is great. <laughs> and then I read Play It As It Lays by Joan Didion and I was like, I'm going to write a song about this book because I felt really inspired. And yeah. when I finished it, I was like, oh, this has to go on the record. Like, I feel like it kind of makes sense. And so then it was kind of like, okay, Brian, can we last <laughs> minute squeeze one more song on? I know the record's coming out in three months yeah. or whatever. Anyway, he made it happen, um, <laughs> which was super. But yeah, so we actually recorded that one during quarantine. Okay. Um, or I, I think so. Or maybe we mixed it during quarantine, but I remember right. it being tough because it was sort of like one person at a time and and right. uh, doing a lot of the sort of co-producing from afar, which definitely isn't as easy to do. Like I love just For sitting sure, there, yeah. you know, together and hashing everything out. But yeah, so it spanned like, you know, almost two years Okay. on um, the writing process. But yeah. Was, was there a point then when you kind of realized like, oh, uh, what I'm writing doesn't really fit into like um, the same kind of sound, I guess, as the previous records. Like it, this totally. is not jazz anymore. Yeah, like I, I remember um, we played the Toronto Jazz Fest in 2018, and we closed with Kool Aid. I had okay. written it that month, and like it was like I handed the chart to the band right before the show, and I'm like, <laughs> "We're playing this, guys. You've never heard it. It's yeah. we're gonna do it." And they were like, okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like, I forget what the description I wrote, but it, it was not jazz. It was like, <laughs> I forget what I even said, but it was like something thrashier. And um, anyway, as we're playing it, people were stoked. Like the audience right. was super stoked. And I was like, man, this is such a different reaction. And people were dancing and like headbanging. And I was laughing because I was like, what is this? Yeah. This is you know, we played like a couple of minutes ago, we played like, you know, some arrangement of like an, an Annie Ross tune or yeah. some old jazz tune. So I was kind of like, oh, wow. Like aesthetically and sonically, these things are so different. Um, but yeah, they kind of call to me in, in similar ways. And obviously, sure. like, I, I definitely feel great appreciation for both of those types of music. But that was sort of a... a light bulb moment for me being right. like maybe this as much as I'm glad that it got people psyched at the time and it was an outdoor show and it was a beautiful summer day so it, it made a lot of sense um but yeah I was kind of like I don't know if this is the setting for this though like <laughs> from here on out you know yeah. I feel like I feel like this could be its own thing and that's sort of when I you know was my piqued my interest and in maybe this is like a new project does does playing the jazz stuff versus playing kind of don't know how to even define it. I was gonna say poppy, but it, uh, I know, yeah, like yeah, not jazz again. Uh, does that like push a different button for you? Do you think performing it like? Yeah, you know, like I think for me, this record and this project, what gives me the most from it is, it's more like holistically who I am. For sure, you know, yeah. I feel like jazz and the the fact that it facilitates improvisation, which is really the thing that I love about it the most, right? Um, and it's sort of like limitless, uh, nature, you know, the voice is not just sing lyrics, things like that. Right. Which I feel, um, you know, isn't always as encouraged in other genres. That's the kind of thing that drew me to that music. And that really did something for me, but that 
jazz as a genre isn't necessarily like me in an authentic way right it's those specific parts of that genre that really really appeal to me and i love that music as a listener yeah um but yeah i I was kind of like you know i'm i'm making these records and they're a part of who i am but i want them to kind of be like you know manifestations of who i am as for sure yeah that is but if you're gonna put a bunch of money and time into it you may as well right so i was kind (laughs) of like i want to figure out what the heck that is you know before i make another record and and i think you know, upon writing and playing Kool-Aid at a couple of gigs before this project was formed, I was like, oh yeah, like this feels like it's kind of capturing more of me as a person, of the part of me that is like the music lover, um, both as a listener and a musician. It, It reminds me of when I was a teen, I studied opera and I was pretty like religious about it. I was like, you know, this is probably what I'm gonna go study in post secondary. And I never listened to opera man, like Never. I, right. I couldn't really stand to listen to it unless I was at a an, at an opera, you know, because it's, right. it's really about the live experience also in that music. But it's not like I was listening to it on my iPod mini. So I over time was just kind of like, you know, maybe that means it's not for me. And a similar thing um, is like, you know, right now I feel like with the mystics, we kind of and I mean, this may or may not be uh, apparent to the listener, but in my you know knowing of where we are coming from with all of these tunes we're touching on all of the things i listen to right i hear little influences of like oh like that's my bloody valentine oh that's like zappa or that's whatever in some of these artists that influence it probably have nothing to do with one another but there's sort of that common thread that is like sort of my experience as a musician and so i feel yeah just like it encapsulates more of me uh you know what? Actually, that's a good place to uh, go into the third section here. Let's right let's chat about uh, Fruits. I believe it's the fourth track mm-hmm. on the record. First of all, holy man, it's fucking really good <laughs> vocal performance. Oh, thanks. It's great. Um, do you have ways that you like psych, your, like psych yourself up to go and perform in studio? Ah, uh, um, not really. Like... To be honest, we mostly just like, I I just like hanging out with the band. Like, For sure, you know, yeah. we, we're definitely like a record live off the floor type band. Okay. Um, and because I really feed off the energy of my bandmates and just like having good sight lines and things like that right. that seem really obvious, but you don't get in every studio experience um, are really important to me to make a good vocal performance. Um, and yeah, I, I mean like, what, what was funny about Fruits and that vocal performance is after we recorded it in the studio all together, uh, Brian and I were talking about double tracking the vocals. Right. And being like, yeah, you know, and, and I I paraphrase or like improvise a lot of my melodies. Like yeah. I'll write the general skeleton of the melody and then I change it as we go. And and of course I'm like, oh damn, now I have to learn everything I sang. <laughs> but okay, fine. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And um Upon doing that, you know, we took a few days. I'm like, Brian, I got to go, you know, learn this a little better. And I come back and he's like, I bought this fishbowl for $12. And I want you to like stick your head in it. And we're going to put a <laughs> mic in it. And you're going to sing in here. And I'm okay. like, okay, dude, like, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so part of it's also just like, you know, 
good friends and good beers kind yep. of just get you through it and just like <laughs> very much a chill vibe. Like I know some people like getting amped up for it. Yeah. I think for me that doesn't necessarily work. Like I like feeling grounded and relaxed. But, yeah. But yeah, just feeling like I'm around people I'm comfortable with and in a studio that is, that is you know, um, comforting in itself like I, yeah. I definitely recorded in studios where like I can hear the fridge humming super super <laughs> loudly and I'm just like yeah this isn't good <laughs> but but yeah we, we recorded it at OCL and it was it was a lovely place and, and felt very very conducive to like a good experience so. yeah OCL's in uh I was gonna say Chicago Calgary right um, <laughs> yeah I think it's in like Chestermere just outside of Calgary oh okay yeah cool. so it's basically this dude's wonderfully large mansion that has a recording studio attached. It's pretty wild. He's the nicest guy and just a huge music lover and built this studio. And it's it's pretty amazing. It has a basketball court, a pool. <laughs> it's like, it's so great. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah that does and like cool. very affordable. I would, yeah. I would totally recommend it to people. Okay. Uh, too, with the, the lyrics on this one, as best as I'm able to make them out, um, it's, it's somewhat political, right? I'm not crazy no yeah it's funny though that you say that about making them out because i've had so many people they're quick <laughs> message me about the whole record they're yeah. like post your lyrics on Bandcamp." and <laughs> i keep saying i will i will and this is like my 40th reminder that i should do that this week but um yeah i write lyrics second and melodies first usually so okay. oftentimes and maybe that's a, a jazz influence too like my melodies will be singable but but yeah. uh, maybe not lyricable at first and then i kind of fit the lyrics in like puzzle pieces and and sometimes they're they're quick but uh yeah so this this tune uh i mean for me it's kind of layered um but it's largely about sort of like industrial farming um and yeah animal rights yeah i was gonna um, say I, I had picked up climate references yeah, yeah there are a couple tunes on the record that i've tried to integrate um yes yeah, so definitely some climate action messaging and and just like encouraging critical thought and things like that right um that are important to me and and i feel sort of like if i'm going to be writing tunes they may as well yeah. again reflect what i think about every For sure. single day <laughs> and, uh, so yeah I, it's funny too because i have been I would say a big advocate for animal rights since I was probably like 11. And um, I always wanted to like listen to songs about it. Yeah. And there are tunes that definitely rub up against that. So even like, you know, we talked about, or I mentioned Joni Mitchell earlier and we were chatting about her. Yeah. Um, you know, even Big Yellow Taxi sort of like, you know, is environmentalist in its, its messaging. Um, and obviously uh, animal rights are one of at one of the many intersections of the the climate crisis yeah yeah um so there are yeah there are definitely tunes that kind of border on that there are also some tunes like and man i love prince but i don't know if you've ever heard his tune about animal rights it's just like so oh, strange it's so like literal like like animals should have rights except it's not quite like that <laughs> but anyway and i really do love prince and he's yeah. obviously a monster musician amazing amazing artist and and um but yeah like i was as a teen trying to listen to music about this stuff being like who's writing i was just kind of like okay like is that my only option right and so i guess i was kind of writing the song for like teenage me yeah you know to give give me something that that uh touched on that and and 
it's funny because in some venues and to some audiences, I'll share that. Right. And in some, <laughs> I just am like, this is going to really make people be annoyed by this song. You right. Know? There are a lot of people who just don't want to get on board or hear about it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting one in that sense. Cause I feel like it's pretty obvious if you're listening to the lyrics yeah. You know, but if you didn't want to hear that messaging, <laughs> you could easily tune it out and just listen to the melody. Yeah. Like you said, they go by pretty quick. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, do you, when you start working on lyrics for something like that, do you kind of have like a goal, like I want to talk about this in this tune, or do you kind of get a couple verses into it and then realize like, oh, okay, it might be about this maybe, and then chase that? Mm-hmm. Well, it totally depends. This song actually started out with a completely different set of lyrics. Okay. Um, and it was about a completely different thing and it was not working for me. And it was like, I was really fighting with it for like a good, like eight hours. Yeah. And at some point I was like, this is not at all what I had in mind. And I still like the melody, right? but I'm just not keen on the lyrics. And rather than try to rewrite the same story I was struggling with over and over, I was just thinking, okay, well what else, you know? And the idea with Aquarian is this sort of common thread of the content lyrically, which is basically like, um, I don't know if you're into astrology at all, but in a stereo or archetypal, I guess, uh, way, the Aquarian in the Zodiac is obviously stands for many things. It's, it has its flaws, it has its strengths, but one of the main components is this sort of humanitarian side, progressive, Um, attitudes, pushing boundaries, and community-focused. So the idea with Aquarian is it's opposing its sister sign of Leo, which is the sign of self, and Aquarius is the sign of community. Okay. And so for me, I am an Aquarius, and I kind of thought, what an interesting lens that could be to write music through, you know? Yeah. Because I definitely like sort of prompt-based writing. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try to explore... Uh, these sort of different Aquarian archetypes um, or, you know, the motivations of an Aquarian or, or the the agendas of an Aquarian or whatever <laughs> right. that could look like on this record. And so I was thinking about, okay, if this is going to be maybe issue-based or activism-based, what are some of these things that I personally am passionate about? So that sort of drove some of those. And, and so when thinking, okay, well, that set of lyrics didn't work, that's where I went. I was like, what's another thing that I personally feel connected to passionate about um and that's when the theme of fruits arose and i kind of went forward with that cool well uh we'll probably wrap it up there the album is called aquarian came out at the end of may right you got it <laughs> nice i always check because i feel like you never know <laughs> but uh per- well thanks so much uh for coming in mallory it yeah, was a real pleasure to talk me. to you uh we're gonna play fruits from aquarian it's the fourth track uh thanks again yeah thanks so much
Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track, Fruits, was played with permission from Mallory Chipman and the Mystics. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing on My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's Cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.